0: Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players by trumpet players and a cornet guy. I'm your host Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks Joey Tartell and Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Now you can simply go to worldtrumpetfederation.com for all your trumpet needs. No annual fees, firewalls or other barriers between you and the most current, helpful trumpet information. Home to the Open Bell podcast, the World Trumpet Federation also has its own YouTube channel and other valuable material. Stay tuned for more details or just go to WorldTrumpetFederation.com. And Trumcore Mutes. For over 20 years, Trumcore has paved the way for quality and innovation as the premier mute maker for the world's finest brass players. Renowned soloists and players from the world's greatest orchestras across the globe use Trumcore Mutes. These mutes are carefully handcrafted in Tennessee, Maryland, and Texas, and have been designed to produce a muted tone that is in tune, vibrant, warm, and responsive. The new Zinger Harmon style mute is simply amazing. So feel free to reach out to Chris Legault and the team at TrumCore for an exceptional mute experience at www.trumcore.com. And now a little about the show. We essentially have three segments, warming up, a couple things, and no offense— We'll use these segments to cover information that Joey, Brian, and I think is important. Gentlemen, shall we? This is a segment we call warming up, and it gives us a chance to ease into the show by talking about some things that are on our radar. Brian, what have you got for us today?
1: Bell, I'm glad you asked. i I think this topic is really important. <laughs> <laughs> And we're <laughs> off. really important. I'm sorry. Brian, what cornet <laughs> oh,
0: topic do you have for us today?
1: That's better. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk about cornet mutes and specifically <laughs> stickers on cornet mutes. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, here
0: we go. Seriously? So, Not this.
1: Yes, of course. Seriously. It's really important. So um, here's the deal. You know those old vacchiano mutes, right? The great ones from New mm-hmm. York that sound terrific, really yeah. stuffy. And the straight yeah, mute. Yeah, vacchiano yeah, right. straight, yeah, straight mute. Yeah, absolutely. So that also works great on a cornet. The new version of them come with a sticker on the bottom. Those are terrible, (laughs) until (laughs) you peel the sticker off, and then it works again. In a cornet, it'll even work in a trumpet. So I think it's important for you guys to do that. And your wick mutes, take that little felt thing off the top,
2: and the sticker, and the sticker, yeah,
1: yeah, take the sticker off. And you're
2: convinced this is making a significant difference in in the playability.
1: It makes it sound better. It does make it feel easier to play too. So under the principle. Under the principle <laughs> anything you do to the metal will change the way it plays. So maybe some people like their straight mute to sound stuffy. I like it to sound really <laughs> bright. Wow. <Yeah. laughs>
2: and brassy. maybe some people like it to be stuffy. Yeah, no offense. No, <laughs> thank you. Is
0: that why uh is that why you only have two corks on yours? <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah. You're Get the corks out of the, there
0: too. Reduce the drag. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so dream
2: five. All right, so all right, so do you find this to be universal, always, all stickers are bad? Is that your contention?
1: I've taken the stickers off every one of my mutes. Do you play and them first? Yes, I play them first.
2: So you play it yeah. first, then take the sticker off. Have you ever put a sticker back
1: on? No. It's always been better for me with the sticker off. In fact, I had tr- Tom Crown mutes that I didn't use because they were so bad. And I found out about this from a student. Um, Matt Hartman was a sophomore. He actually went through Scott's program, too. Um, and he came to my door and I said, get out of the studio. You're crazy. He said, no, no, no. Do you have any mutes that don't work? I had a Tom Crown mute on the shelf. I played it stuffy. He says, does it have a sticker? And I was like, I don't know. It has that Tom Crown sticker scraped off the sticker. It's like 20 years old or something and played it much better. Totally usable.
2: Wow. Wow is right.
0: And I will say that many of my mutes now don't have stickers on them because I played a lot of stuff with Brian last fall and every time I wasn't looking, he would pick up my mutes and rip <laughs> the stuff off of them. <laughs> I did do that. And did yeah. you notice
2: any difference? <laughs> no. Yeah. Didn't.
0: I noticed that we couldn't tell our mutes apart because they didn't have stickers on them.
2: All right. So if anything changes the mute, there are lots of people who would like to, uh, mark their own mutes with, you know, any kind of marker, ink, permanent marker, what does that, is that going
1: to impede the performance practice? Yeah, Brian. What weight Sharpie should we use to mark our mutes? I don't think ink matters, really. Paint would work. The paint would change the color, right? The visual color and the acoustical color. So, we're, color. A, we're, wow. so we're still
2: safe using Sharpies, you're saying? you? I, started started sh-
1: I think we're safe using Sharpies. You started okay. with anything you do to the metal. You started with that okay. phrase. So right. maybe not any. M- most things you do to the metal.
0: All right. I've got my Joe Ryle copper bottom right here in front of me, and yes. you peeled the thing off the top. Yeah. So it makes a nice <laughs> ting. And Every time you put it in the when bell, you put it in the bell, scrapes which the bell. I know you like metallic noises when you're playing. <laughs> so I get that. Now, should I remove all the residue of the glue as well?
1: I don't think that makes that appreciable difference, but I think it makes some difference, probably.
0: The, but the paper does.
1: The paper does, yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: And
2: the sticker. The sticker, the sticker definitely. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well come yeah. on. So okay. I did it to all I did all my mutes. I even did it to the Trumpcore mutes.
0: Oh
1: but those took start the stickers off. off, off, good. off. I like
0: those. It's our sponsor today. Chris. Yeah. Did you talk to Chris about this first?
1: No. Executive decision. Oh.
2: Yeah. He may have to we may have to re- he this may recall is? those mutes. It sings a little bit numbered. more for me. Oh yeah, boy. I took the
1: number off. <laughs>
2: the wow. number my numbers yeah, in, n- n- on some of mine are in ink on the side.
1: They're always for my mine. They were on the sticker. Oh, okay. Interesting. It depends on I away. think
0: how old. Wow.
1: I noticed it. Um, my colleagues in the brass quintet at at Rowan um, noticed it on my cup mute because I did it, and then from week one rehearsal to the next, I had taken the the stickers off, and they asked if I had gotten a new cup mute.
0: Are you sure it isn't just because it's lighter? You your bells higher now because you've reduced <laughs> the weight. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why it's clear.
1: <laughs> All right, gravitational drag.
2: <laughs> I want to come back to this because I want to do some A-B testing in my office. I want to record and see if I can hear any difference right, on the other side of the bell. I want Here's do some what you're going to
0: do. We're going to do the mute thing. This is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to record them. We're going to do a blind taste test right here on the show.
2: Oh, I All like right. this idea.
0: Right? So yes. Joey's going to record, and then we're going we're gonna to pick which mute has and has not.
2: All right, perfect. Or just which one you like better. And yeah, and which I'll one you like better. I'll do like the better. same right. exactly mute with and without sticker. I think the okay. same
1: thing's true. Like if you put extra metal on your mouthpiece, like Gattali used to have me wrap solder around the mouthpiece. He said it really solidified things. And it was different. I don't know if it was better, but it certainly felt different to play the instrument. The instrument definitely responded differently.
0: Poor Mr. is probably just trying to get you not to play so loud. Yeah, he was <laughs> he just might trying to, try to do
1: that. Was.
2: He was just trying to take <laughs> some of that edge off.
1: Oh, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no one can bring it like Brian. <laughs> and what's impressive is that it doesn't even matter what setting it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's no. just it's all in.
2: It's, it's, it's always on. All in. Yep.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: He I has no was setting was for stun or <laughs> resting.
1: <or no, laughs> it's <laughs> off or stun. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his
0: two settings. Right. Yeah.
1: What dynamics? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's <laughs> fascinating.
0: Awesome. That's great. Uh, I'd l- I want to talk. I just want to mention the Brass Herald today. That's where I'd like to go. Is that still love a thing? It's still a thing, and you know, uh, Philip Biggs, what a phenomenal guy. Miss him a, a great deal. Um, and but I think the service he provided through that particular journal is just amazing. I love it. Beautiful, right? Beautifully done. Full color the whole way through. Right. Love it's a real live,
2: l- real live brass magazine. Real
0: magazine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like Beautiful. The place you go for all brass stuff. I just love it. And I think I think how's there was it a still s- being done? I'm not really sure, but I just saw an ad for it in another journal, and it just made me really happy that it's still happening and that Fantastic. someone's carrying I w- actually want to do a little digging and find out um, who's making it happen and kind of carrying that Absolutely. on. Absolutely, because
2: they did a lot of uh, really current stuff. You know, who's Absolutely. doing what now, interviews with mm-hmm. uh, active professionals right now. And yep. like you said, it's a, r- it's a real magazine, so you see you know, full-color pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks great
0: i just think about the times over i've handed that that magazine to so many students to say "Yeah, you need to know about this person you need to read this interview whatever it's just just really great stuff
1: and a real cross-section of the brass world too right every aspect military bands orchestral players jazz soloists Mm -hmm. the whole bit
0: and it seemed to me like the latest on what was going on in the brass band world so fascinating stuff yeah but just happy to see that it's still there and and still still moving forward. Yeah,
1: Love what him. a tremendous advocate. Oh, my goodness. I met him first when he was helping Murray Gregg do the 2001 conference in Manchester. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. That was a while ago. a long time ago. Always
0: a highlight at the conferences. Fantastic. You know, like oh,
1: he was fantastic. So outgoing.
0: Yeah. You know? Mm, absolutely. Well, I just wanted to put that out there, because I think, and, and I was one of the folks that did that, thought that it, it was just going to go away. Like, you know, I'd hope that it wouldn't when he passed, but... So just calling our attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, Joey, what do you got today for warming up?
2: I got a question for you guys. Here Uh-oh. we go. <laughs> How often it's is it okay? this being graded? Paper, yes, it is. Paper yeah. on the mute. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> How often is it okay to take a day off?
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Right? Because no, no, Fr- here's the thing. Some what? of us well (laughs) yeah why do you take a day off (laughs) from playing the trumpet you know my first teacher i think i told the story actually on the show before told me and when i was 11 years old you get two days off a year you get your birthday and you get christmas and he wasn't kidding right so and we've seen a lot of people online where we've been making fun of doing the the hundred days of practice that it seems to imply a hundred straight days and it didn't say in a row (laughs) it didn't say in a row it it didn't say in a row breaks (laughs) along those hundred days and you know, my uh, I studied with Mel Broyles for a year, and he liked to take time at the end of every season. Uh, when the m- season was over, he's like, "All right, I take I take time off. I'll take you know I'll take a week off at the end of every season. Just put them away." And he liked to go fly. He was a pilot and do things like that. Mm. So days off are okay, but too many days off are not okay. So like the idea of hey, I'm going to take a day, I'm going to take the Sunday off seems like okay, but I'm going to take every Sunday off does not seem okay to me. What do you guys think? How often is it okay just to schedule yourself a day off? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I, I, in my, the way that my schedule works, of course, the year I schedule time off, not on a weekly basis, but there is usually a time when I just step away for a little bit. Normally after the semester ends, not a lot happening at the beginning of summer. It's a time to just kind of step away from it.
2: And you'll I take you'll bit. take one, three, uh, five, a one,
0: week, one to two, depending on what's going on. Okay. Yep, one to two weeks.
2: Wow. One to two weeks. Yeah. You'll take two weeks off. I,
0: I have taken as many as two, and I haven't done that since I've been hanging around with you idiots. But yeah. Fear <laughs> <laughs> <Pure pressure. laughs> air, But exactly. No, that's just the fear of keeping up. <laughs> um, but I have done. I have done that. But the week the week thing seems to work it just kind of a chance to come back to it mentally fresh and physically fresh and i think it's worked
1: i have a lot of trouble taking any time off at all i've i've gone years where it's been maybe two days in the year that i took off Um, this was recently a forced time off because of this heart procedure a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago um, and i expanded it to 10 days it was had to definitely four days, and then only playing low Cs after that. But but I, I expanded it to 10 days off. I felt that to be very difficult. But I did it because I'm changing my face. Um, so yeah. I felt like I could extend it. But, yeah, I haven't taken off that kind of time since the summer before seventh grade, and I went to summer camp. <laughs>
2: seventh grade? Wow. Yeah I, would, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I just kept practicing. I just always practice some every day.
2: I will take an occasional day, you know, either – Sometimes when you're traveling, it's just, you know what, it's at the end of this thing, and I'm, I'm coming back, and it's really inconvenient. Okay, I'm just going to take this day, and that's going to be fine. But but the last significant amount of time I took off was basic training, where the Army, of course, in its uh, infinite wisdom, hires me to play lead trumpet <laughs> in a big band, and then sends me away for two months where I'm not allowed to touch a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that was certainly, that was a, a steep curve coming back to just jump right back in and go, but... Uh, I, I don't
0: like it when he sugarcoats things. I want him to be
2: plain <laughs> about what he, what he's thinking. It's really hard to figure that out.
3: <laughs> but it
2: seems like you know, it, it seems reasonable to every once in a while to just have that day off. But so uh, c-
0: can we equate it to the to the sports thing or to the like to running? Or I mean, do you runners take breaks? Right, take time off.
1: Yes. Some we're not runners. They do some cross training. Mm-hmm. I think the Kenyans run all the time. Hmm. Like if you go train with the Kenyans, like they're it's they're the thing. in runners world, they just right. run a lot every day.
2: Right. I'm, I'm always uh, wary of comparing ourselves to athletes because if you look at what our schedule can demand, for hmm. example, if you were in a, if you're in a if you're in a symphony orchestra, if you're in a major orchestra, you'll do three concerts in a week. You'll play Friday night, Saturday, Sunday night, right? Right. There is no equivalent uh, of that in, in the sports world where you would literally go every single night with practices and games you know baseball might be closest but then they have an off season we don't really have an off season you know so that idea of of going every single night or road bands where you just go you're going to be out and you're going to play the next you're going to play two sets a night for the next six nights in a jazz club there is no equivalent of being that level of on in the sports world which is fine because we're not athletes in the same way and i know we get compared to that and a lot of musicians like to make that comparison an awful lot but i don't really think it holds up
1: Mm-hmm.
2: we're artists. We're not athletes.
1: What about just the muscle recovery?
2: Well, I like to th- put ourselves in a position where we don't n- beat ourselves up. Now I know that sometimes that does happen, but I don't want to start from a place of, well, I'm hurt. So I need to stop. Well, the idea would then be don't get hurt. Right. And then right. if you get hurt, sure you may need time off and I know I've had students and actually friends colleagues and other professionals just ask me hey listen I've really beat myself up how do I get out of this I'm like well first stop playing (laughs) like when you're in the position sometimes a day or two or a week could be a really good way of fixing that but I really think it's smarter to then not actually put yourself in the position of getting hurt
1: Mm. if you're getting hurt you're probably doing something wrong anyway You need to Mm. retool probably
2: I, d- I
0: will say this about, in the, in the instances where I have taken the time off, I love the process of coming back into it, even with that many days. It's just, I don't know, it's a chance to kind of align things and make sure some things are cool and make sure that you're doing it the right way. So it's not, maybe not even so much about just physically needing a break as it is enjoying the process of kind of hitting a, hitting a reset.
2: Absolutely, and I think that can be really valuable and coming back fresh and clearing your head. But let me offer this this bit of warning. Mm-hmm. After, if you take a few days or a week or two off, the first day back is the trap. The first day back is a time where if you're a professional treble player and you're playing all of the time, you're never really completely fresh because you're playing all the time. After two weeks, you're completely fresh, which mm-hmm. means everything works. So the first day, you'll think, I can do anything. I'm good. I am the best trumpet player in the world. (laughs) And then the second day you will realize why that was a bad idea. So (laughs) if you do take significant time off, uh, end of the school year or it's a break and you just want to get a mental and physical break, that first day back, take it easy. Because Mm -hmm. otherwise the second day back, then you're right back into a bad trap of recovery. And you don't want to put yourself in the position of having to recover. You want to come in and just bend the process of steady growth.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, I'm, I caution students to, when they want to take a day off. So, like, say a student wants to take Saturday off. And I'm like, okay, take Saturday off. But the last thing they play is noon on Friday. And the first time they play on Sunday is 5 o'clock. They haven't taken a day off, they've taken two days off. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they wonder why it doesn't work on Monday in their lesson. <laughs> right. right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great question actually transitions really well to the focal point of today's show. I would like to talk about today maintaining a student mindset to facilitate lifelong learning. So we talk a lot about, there's a lot of people offering opinions, and especially now since we're all home, there's lots of experts out there. Um, And there's a lot of knowledge at our fingertips, but how about some ways to approach this from a lifelong perspective and maintain that student mindset as you move through your career?
2: If you're not thinking of yourself as a student, you're doing it wrong. Hmm. It's really that simple. I've had this conversation with a number of people over the years where They'll say, okay, so what do I need to do? Like the professionals, they're like, all right, I need this, or I need this, or I need this. And they'll come and ask them, like, what do you think? And I said, all right, you know I'm a man of strong opinions. Here's what I think you should do. And they'll say something like, okay, but like how long do I have to do that? And I say, forever. All right. What do you mean forever? And I said, th- I'm, we're in this for the long haul. I, I, there's, a, there's a real reason to be an artist and to be a musician and to be a trumpet player. And one of those reasons for me is we're never done right there are other things that we could set set a goal for and think you know I want to be able to you know like if you do a jigsaw puzzle all right so once you finish it there's nothing else to be done there so you're done so if you want to accomplish something or if you wanted to get to a specific job like if my goal as a as a a human being was to be the trumpet teacher at Indiana University then once I get the job I'm done which means I can stop practicing and stop doing stuff. And we see this all the time. We see this with all kinds of jobs. We see people that win what we would think of as dream jobs, and then they kind of think, huh. And I will tell you, when I finished, uh, I was on Maynard's Band for almost two years, and when I'm leaving that, I'm 27 years old, and I'm getting off of the road and thinking, huh, well, what do I do now? (laughs) This is one of the things that you think about (laughs) as a kid that isn't even a real dream or goal. It's just one of those things that's out there that I was lucky enough to do, that wasn't the end goal. The end goal is perpetual growth. And that mindset, if there's anything that I'm trying to communicate to my students in the time that we're together, it's this, this mindset. As much as we talk about, you uh, you know, technical growth and musical growth, this mindset of if you're not really setting yourself up to keep learning for the rest of your life, then you're selling yourself short, right?
1: Agreed. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I think you have to keep going after something. You have to have something you're interested in. You have to keep learning about something, reading, practicing, and you know, in our field, trumpet. But for for uh, our thing also is pedagogy. So I'm really interested in how other people are teaching. What are they doing in the studio? What words are are they using? Um, and then I wanna bring that back to my to my guys. Um, if you stop, then you're gonna lose track of everything you got into it for. I mean, we were always striving as, as young players, always pushing, um, and if you just somehow just stop that, it seems to just be, I don't know, you've never really arrived, right? You just get to keep doing what you love doing. And, uh, yeah. and so if, the, if learning isn't part of that and practicing isn't part of that, I, I don't know how you keep going. That's what I guess that's what invites burnout, isn't it? Well,
0: we've, we talked, uh, I know we've mentioned good to great in some of our recent, you know, discussions. And um, I'm reading this other stuff now by Ryan Holiday where he talks about the pretense of knowledge. So this pretense of knowledge is our most dangerous vice because it prevents us from getting any better, right? Every, you assume you know, right? Oh, no, right. I got that. I got that. And so in this same stuff, I found this thing I thought was really cool. Um, There's a mixed martial arts guy by the name of Frank Shamrock, who I didn't know his name at all coming into this, but he's got a system to train fighters called plus minus equal. And I really want to know what you guys think about this. So each fighter has to have someone better that they can learn from, someone lesser that they can teach, and someone who is their equal that can challenge them as they move through this. I thought this was fascinating. Like as a training method, right? So you have, you identify these connections that you can make right and you you've got that person that's better than you you got this person over here you can help because we know teaching and talking through helps us get better and then you have your equal who challenges you
2: what do you think about that that's a great setup but it, it invites some problems as you get older and better Mm -hmm. you know not that I mean one of the things I mean this is how big my ego is when I was a little kid my (laughs) father was one of the first people that said to me I know it's still that big stop laughing (laughs) my father was the first person who said to me hey listen you know don't get too hung up in this there's always somebody better and my logical thinking brain is nuh-uh somebody's got to be the best right (laughs) and he's (laughs) kind of right but kind of wrong because as I've gotten older what I realize is there is no best trumpet player Right, because anything you could name anyone that we could think of, and we could name lots of world-renowned and great musicians and trumpet players, and then we could name someone else that does does something that that person doesn't do, right, by choice or just by happenstance or by career. So then, well, sure they do this, but they they don't do this, and this person is great, and they do that. So there is no greatest, but there is a level of, you know, there are levels uh, of proficiency and as you ascend those levels the higher and higher you go the harder it is to find people that you look up to right right that's more difficult so uh, you know if you're you know if you're living somewhere you know relatively small and you're that's a really good person like if if you're the trumpet teacher at just to make up a place you know northern alaska state and Mm -hmm. you're a really a world-class trumpet player who do you find? Whom do you right. find to right. work with on a regular basis that you can look up to? And that can be difficult for the professionals. Right.
0: So my my spin on this was, I'm thinking, so like, let's see how this works. You pick up your piccolo trumpet. Who would be your living or dead, right? So you could say, uh, unless it sounds like Andre, I'm not Right. So that sure. could be your that there are ways, I think, um, with the history of the trumpet and how we know it, that your plus minus equal could be people that are no longer here, but someone that you have a recording of or a professional from years ago. So how do you think do you think that could apply that way?
2: That's certainly what I do. I mean, that's how I learned to play piccolo. My teacher in high school gave me his piccolo and gave me a recording of Marie André and say, go sound like this. And at 17, (laughs) I would go practice and listen and go, well, it doesn't (laughs) sound like that. (laughs) And and it really, that really did work because in a relatively short period of time, I got pretty good Mm -hmm. uh, and sounded then okay because I wasn't thinking, hey, I just need to be okay. I was listening going, why don't I sound like Maurice Andre, which was the right question to be asking. And, yeah, I'm absolutely still doing that. Uh, I do, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, how to grow as, as an improviser. And how do you do that is, you know, by listening to other people. And, you know, when you're listening, to I, I like listening to, a, a, an, you know, a wide variety of, of excellent jazz players, living and dead. But, you know, I've got a soft spot for Clifford Brown, like lots and lots of people do. Mm-hmm. And I listen to that and go, <sighs> well, <laughs> I don't sound like that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's, you know, I still don't sound like Maurice Andre, and I still don't sound like Clifford Brown. So there's obviously always room for growth. So yeah. that's a good way of thinking of it. I was thinking when you first said it, much more literally that you want to have yeah. a person to be working with, and which I think can be more difficult. But if you're looking at recordings, yeah, that's a great way to go and one I use regularly.
0: That might be the way he intended it here. So I was just trying to put our twist on it. It's interesting. I think it provides context, right, for anybody to keep you situated. Yes, I'm better than this person. But this person really challenges me. And I'm still, a tr- I'm still aspiring to be this person. I think it's a pretty good it's a pretty cool setup. Actually, really cool way to think about it, especially if you had students identify what those targets would be.
1: Yeah, I just worry about the the competition aspect of it. I think it's aspirational and um, and you wanting to cultivate your own excellence. Um, But I'd be careful about counseling people to compare themselves too heavily um, in a competition way. Mm -hmm. Um, And just in a qualitative, you know, excellence way. Um, Where are you on this continuum, I think? Um, And I think we we all do that. And, you know, that's really what some great players talk about is they're trying to take a little bit from all of these different players. Um, This one player may be great at triple tripletonging. This one player might have a great range. This one player might have a great sound and somehow um, take a little bit of that from each of them to make your own your own statement Um, yeah I think it's it's good to have um, role models it's good to have people to bounce ideas off of too Um, so having an equal uh, in that regard and then yeah I mean I love teaching so having people to teach is a I really enjoy that
0: I mean I think we know sometimes we often know what are the things to do but keeping yourself in sort of a humble place or a place of humility where you're willing to take feedback from somebody, I mean, that's an important thing to teach too, right? I mean, we and, you know, we said, you know, yeah, you, sometimes you learn what not to do, which, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's putting you in a place where you're not really ready for feedback uh, either. But I, that's, what I mean, what a great life skill that is just to be willing to kind of take it all in. And, this, is,
2: and this has been something that for us, and I, I'll speak for all of us right here, what Trump and Mundy has been great for all of us, because Absolutely. then we can be in a place where we can b- recognize the strengths of others and, w- and also b- what we bring to the group and have, you know, uh, if people could be inside our rehearsals, I think they would be shocked and amazed and, at, and at how, frank, <laughs> at how yeah. frank we are with each other, and, and right. very, and, but in positive ways. Like, hey, listen, this sounds like that, what you're doing is, can we, and just, we've built a culture, and this is where I'm going with this, a culture in that group of being able to be absolutely honest with each other that really works well for all six of us. And that's the, what Brian's talking about I, in a studio setting. You don't want to have people set themselves above or below each other, but you do want to create a culture where they can work with each other, that yeah. I've got this strength, they don't. This actually was going great during my undergrad at Eastman. I was there with a lot of very, very, very strong players. And I do remember you know, asking people, hey, listen, how does this go? And I have other people coming up, hey, how do you do that? And it was that culture uh, among a lot of uh, of very, you know, strong college players that are now really well-known, you know, professionals. That culture was there. So having that mindset built into the culture in a non-competitive way could be really valuable, but you're right. I mean, listen, you know, growing up in Texas, everything's a competition. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. And you don't want to set that up where, oh, well, He's, you know, he's uh, A on B, and and he's C. We we don't want that set up at all.
1: Or a situation where people who are in the know revel in you watching somebody totally fold who doesn't know. You know, you want to help cultivate Mm -hmm. that. Look, you're going to play that E-flat part you should be using that E-flat Held and Laban part. You should be using a B-flat trumpet. You should not be using an E-flat trumpet. <laughs> You're going to be in trouble. <laughs> right? And I know of an instance where everybody in the studio knew it was going to happen, and the person got up in front of the in front of the studio and totally folded when they tried to play. <laughs> <gasps> no, no one right. helped them out? Six ledger lines. Nobody. Line. Nobody left. You know, no. just wanted them. I mean, some lessons, you know, what's the...
0: Right, we'll do it again.
1: Yeah, some <laughs> lessons need to be learned the hard way. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, so y- y- the other thing I wanted to talk about with this is that um, we think about how quickly things move today, and how we talk about how instantaneous information is, right? And so you could say, okay, back in the day—I mean, a little further back for me—I understand there. <laughs> I beat you to it. Um, you know, finding information like, Hey, look, I know what a card catalog is. Okay. <laughs> you know what Um, stone tablets are (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know we had to really kind of sit with things for a really long time to figure them out and get information and now you don't right yeah it it's at our fingertips and it's there and I'm wondering how much of that just the willingness whether that's ego or whatever it is that prevents us from doing this but you want to figure it out quickly you want to get in there and get the information and then move ahead with it um, I think that prevents anybody from being in in a truly in a student mindset
2: That's a good one. And that's a hard one because you're right. People want to have that information now and they want to say, I have the information and now I'm done, which is not the same thing, especially as musicians, trumpet players, artists, as integrating it and owning it and being able to use it. That doesn't happen at that same kind of speed. You do have to spend that time in the practice room. and, And without that, you're getting nowhere. So the idea of I know about that concept can be meaningless without knowing how it applies. So you can find people that say all of the right things, but then, okay, well, let me hear you play and then demonstrate that they do not have ownership of those concepts, right? Because certainly you can get, you can get a lot of information very quickly, as we've discussed and will continue to discuss. You can also get a lot of really bad information (laughs) just as quickly. And (laughs) part of why we're here is to help with that part. We want to help (laughs) you find the good information of which there is plenty, but then how to integrate that into your own playing is and again that mindset is a lifelong goal if you're setting yourself up to be well okay I want to get really good and I want to win a job and then I'm done mm. then you're doing it wrong and there's really yeah. no way around that because certainly you can do that but then as soon as you think you're done boom like when we talk about sight reading I have students i say I think sight reading is something that's uh, an important skill with my theory being the better you sight read something the less work you're going to have to do right? Because if you sight read really, really well, then you're closer to a finished musical product that you could live with. So, and I said, it's sight reading is the easiest thing to practice because there will always be more music in the world you don't know than you do. So it's really easy. And when I say that, I often get a weird look like, but wait, I've got these books and you got those books and those books. Yes, that's a start, but there's so much music in the world and more always being written that there's right. always more out there, which means there's it's it's limitless, and it's a goal that you cannot achieve. We cannot be done growing as musicians. We cannot be done growing as trumpet players, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why, uh, I mean, uh, we have friends that all talk about, well, when I retire and I'm just going to hang up my horns, that's not going to be me.
1: Right.
2: I, I, I think I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to be the 90-year-old guy They're like, is he really, is he doing those things? Well, My roommate, um, uh, when I moved to Miami, she was a violinist, we had done Disney together, right? So. We moved in, we're starting the school year, and um, I'm out in the in the living room, sports center on, playing Clark number three, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yes Brian, you know da da that one. Da that's da 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 da
1: the second to last one da 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 in the book. <laughs> that's right. <there's, laughs> oh, of all <laughs> <laughs> the four studies, that's my favorite. Oh,
2: you guys are killing me. <laughs> so she comes out and she makes herself breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 Boom. she goes in, blah, 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 you know. So the next morning, she comes out at the same time, and I'm doing Clark three. She says, well, didn't you play that yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> and I stopped. And I went, um, yeah.
0: yeah you're going to need to doing get it, used to this. Doing yeah. that again, she's like, to <laughs> be doing it tomorrow <laughs> oh, too." Okay, <laughs> you know, and
2: with that kind of concept of, yeah, I'm I'm still going at the same concepts, and sometimes we go about it in the exact same way because there is no ownership. It's not it, it's not permanent. You know, it's one of those things we have to continually look for growth and look for ways to grow. So that student mindset is vital, especially as teachers. And, Brian, you're talking about, you know, you love being a teacher. We all love being, the three of us, we love being teachers. Absolutely. So, right, we have to figure out uh, how we can connect with those students as well. But if we let go of what they're trying to do in ourselves, how are we ever going to make that connection? It's so much harder.
0: Right. Yeah, this was another thing that I, I found in one of the holiday books, and this is interesting, when you in order to keep the student mindset, you place your ego and ambition in someone else's hands, right? You have to be willing to do that. That's an interesting take on it. You have to be willing to do that. I think about the way I related to my undergraduate teacher and then had, having been out and taught, then went back as an older graduate student to do the master's and the doctorate. And I mean, yeah, that's what's happening. Like there, but there was so much more willingness to do that as I was older and I got so much more out of that. I was willing to give those things up,
1: right? And it opened you up for many more possibilities. Oh what was um, Micah's um, article? He his blog post last week that we talked about, mm-hmm. Joey, the principal in in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he was he was asking about more musical investment, not just higher, faster, louder, longer, shorter, louder, softer. Um, but that also requires you to put to open yourself up a little bit more, to open your mind up, to relax a little bit more, to not think you have all the answers and to go with the flow a little bit more. That's um, that's a more confident place to go from, right, to open yourself up musically um, to those right, kind of changes.
2: Absolutely, but it can be that scary place and that's what he was hinting at. We're yeah. talking about Michael Wilkinson, principal trevor of the Pittsburgh Symphony, wrote this thing about ha- retaining your artistic license because, mm. uh, you know, the com- conductor will get up in front of the group and he'll talk and... and, and flowery terms or, you know, you know, talk about what this means to him. And then, you know, somebody in the brass section will make that crack. So you want it louder, softer. And, you know, people will laugh (laughs) and they'll go. And, you know, it might be funny in the moment, but it's, Micah is right about this. It's, we need to be thinking as artists and we need to be thinking of growth. And if we do think, hey, listen, man, just tell me to play louder, short. I got all the right notes in all the right order. We're selling the entire musical product way short and selling ourselves short as artists as well we need to be open to those kinds of comments right because it it gives us so much more that we can draw from so much more we can do musically rather than just thinking the literal terms of I played all the right notes in the right order I'm done I'm going home (laughs) that's not Mm. music (laughs) that's not (laughs) it yeah
1: Yeah, that's some other vocation right yes all the wires are connected properly I can close the little (laughs) lid and be done
0: I like to say they operate the trumpet machine very well
1: right (laughs) <laughs> and there
2: are, uh, there are lots of good trumpet operators out there. That's true.
0: So uh, we often, we, we refer to this segment of our show as a couple things. So let's wrap with that. Um, Joey, a couple things. You'd g- give advice to uh, a, a student who's you know, transitioning from, undergrad or from high school to undergraduate school. couple things to keep in mind to help maintain a student
2: mindset. Okay, first thing is this i tell I actually say, tell them this think back to when you finished eighth grade how did you play and most of them go oh gosh <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> but you're pretty good now you're coming into college as a as a music major you're interested in this you've obviously made a commitment the the amount of growth you had between eighth grade and the end of your senior year of high school is what you should be considering a starting point for what you're going to do during your undergrad Mm. and that's just gonna get you, that's gonna get you going with that imagine you have to do that again because usually by the time you get to college you are thinking okay I'm pretty good at this right I got into a good school and I'm ready to major no 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 no. we're just starting up the mountain now you just got to the base of the mountain and now it's time to keep going that's the first thing I want you to think during your undergrad that's the shift and then two is you want to start thinking of yourself as a professional now whatever the day is that I meet them and we have this discussion whether it's junior of high school senior of high school you want to be thinking I am a professional trumpet player because then when you put it in those terms then you're putting yourself in league with the trumpet players that you are listening to and you look up to and like we're talking about like you know living or dead the people we're looking to as role models when you think of yourself as like if you think as a high school junior I am a professional trumpet player and your goal is to be an orchestral trumpet player when you think of yourself in that, then you are now thinking of yourself in terms with Mike Sachs, in terms with Chris Martin, right? And then you're putting yourself in that pool. And then you bec- then there's a lot of awareness of, oh, wait a minute, I might not be in that league and I need to be if I'm gonna be a professional. So those are the first two things I want thinking about. Here's where you are. And I want you to think about the, the amount of growth you've already had and to make sure you can continue to do that and then two, you're a professional now and then what does that mean you want to you want to be in that lane Hmm.
1: i like it yeah and i think for um for our music ed guys um what do they want what kind of teacher do they want to be um do they want to be a teacher who's disgruntled after 10 years and have tenure and just sort of phoning it in? Or do they want to be somebody who's super informed, their students love it, they run a dynamic classroom, they're impacting lives, um, they're changing the world through music, um, and what does that mean for how they have to prepare themselves for their for their undergraduate career? It's not just, I, you know, for my, for my guys, um, I say the degree and the, and the certification are easy. Those are just flags that are gonna go up as you go through this. Getting the education and the and being able to translate into a lifelong love of music for your students as well is, is what re- it's really about.
2: Yeah. Right, Bill, up. you?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna zoom out and probably just say a couple things I typically say, which is one is to know your why. Like, know why it is you do what you do, know what your purpose is, give that some thought. And uh, and then y- everything then falls into that context. But it's, it's that creating a vision for your life and knowing. And I, I think in some ways it's it's very similar to what we're all saying. Right. You 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 know, why did you do what you do? And that gives you purpose. Um, and then the second thing is, is that you've made this one big decision. So go with it. And once you've made this decision, whether it's to be a professional trumpet player or, you know, to be the best teacher that that you can be, then all those small decisions are made for you. The things become non-negotiable. Then you don't sit and think, well, should I practice today? Should I warm up now? Should I go to that class or whatever? I mean, those, those things are done because you made this one big decision to do this thing. And you stick to that.
1: That's a recurring theme for you, Bill. You, you say make one big decision that makes all the other decisions easy. Even in running a department, you talk about what's the most important thing. The students are the most important thing. Done. Okay? Right. Then that makes every other decision a whole lot easier. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you if you There's every only one filter,
0: that's it. The filter is what is best for students. And then you run it through that filter and then that should give you your answer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, this is I, I like this one a lot. This was great. And I think it's something we all need to hear. And, as, you know, w- you mentioned Trompa Mundi, Joey. I mean, you know, that's there it is like that's if you're paying attention which I always am I've learned so much it's just from the think tank perspective but from a playing perspective too you just if you're sitting there all the time going how can I do that how can I move to that how can I be how can I be better at that and then that next part is not being afraid to ask
2: right brilliant and I think we've done a good job you know speaking positively of all of us, which we rarely do with each other. No, we've never, actually never. We've, we've not, allowed, not a thing. We've done a really good <laughs> job of creating a culture where we're going, okay, listen, what are you doing there? The very first time we ever got together is uh, before you were uh, in the group, uh, Bill, before we'd found you and discovered you and made you everything <laughs> that you are today. <laughs> um, For which I am so <laughs> grateful. Brian, <laughs> uh, it, it might have been the se- maybe it was the second day. Like, he leaned over to me and says, okay, listen, I got, we got to talk. <laughs> and, and so at the end of like an eleven-hour day, he's like, "Okay, what have you got going on there?" i was like, "Well, here's what I'm here's what I'm doing. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking this." He's like, "Huh? All right, let's do that." And I mean, we didn't even know each other yet, and we're just yeah. sitting there in a rehearsal room. We spent probably another half an hour at the end of the day, and he's like, "Okay, that's interesting." And then like called me a month later. It's like, "Okay, I think you're onto something with that," <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it was it was it was great, and we could all recognize what each of us are bringing we still do that so we can still recognize oh this guy you know you're doing that great you're doing that great and then we never say it out loud we only talk about in the rehearsals why everybody else is terrible which is that's right why it's so much fun right
0: and why we all get along the way we do yeah keep your foot on
1: everybody's neck (laughs) right
0: (laughs) you know or and our other method of course is to find what someone's really good at and then never allow them to do it (laughs)
2: I wouldn't know anything about that as no. the bass it's trumpet like player I on your group. I hear
0: Joey has a killer double C. I think he'd be great for bass trumpet. <laughs> you know? I don't. Anything that threatens anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get rid of that. It's like running a search, yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, exactly. That person kind of threatens me. <laughs> we so can't hire no. them. We can no. hire them. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Well, finally, we reached the portion of the program we like to call No Offense. This is where we highlight something from the Trumpet Kingdom that is recognized, used, and touted, yet might not make so much sense to us. We feel it is our responsibility, know our duty, to highlight such things to raise awareness, inform the masses, and generally start trouble. And I'm going to abandon what I had for today for No Offense topic, and I'm going to go after this one. <laughs> If you're planning on selling your instruments on a specific day because you're done playing when your career is over, that's a terrible idea. No offense, Brian. (laughs) So, Joey, you're sitting there talking about, I'm going to play until this, (laughs) and and I know for a fact (laughs) Brian has said, (laughs) there's going to be a day, I'm going to close the case, and that's it.
2: It's never going to happen. Come on, Brian. No, there's no way.
0: Your addiction to playing loudly well, you're not going to be able to overcome that.
2: <laughs> well, that I, don't the know. La- I think the last thing I'm not going to be able to hear is the sound of your valves.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to need you to keep doing that.
1: I'm going to have a recording I carry around with me. Just. Yeah, tracking. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be able, able to do that because to play the trumpet well takes a lot of practice. And I think at some point I'm going to be done practicing.
2: Yeah. Or I don't God. think so. You don't think so. No. Uh, you, you, he's th- he, think about, uh, of all the guys we know, Brian is the one who's always sort of searching, trying, integrating, pulling. You do it better than anyone <laughs> I know. You're, you're, we're talking about the lifelong student mindset. You're the model. You're, you're the poster <laughs> yeah. child for the, the <laughs> student mindset. I do not believe you're going to have an easy time going, yeah, well, it's just hard work and I'm done with it. That's yeah. not you. I don't buy it. I don't no, buy it at all.
0: Brian, you're the guy... Taking your daughter to the stables, right? To do the horseback riding thing. You're practicing in the car <laughs> <Yes>. at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning.
2: Yeah, I'm not right? buying this at all, because no. do we <laughs> if, when we finally end up retiring, like if that's ever a thing we get to do, like if we retire from our jobs, that's going to make it easier for you to practice, not harder. Yeah. And, you know, the girls are already out of the house, and they're going to, you know, come back with their families and come back and visit, and you'll be like, oh, maybe I'll take a day off. You're going to have more time to practice, not less. It's going to get easier for you as you get older.
1: I am yeah. enjoying the COVID uh, thing from that perspective, because I have so much more time.
2: Yeah,
0: see? There it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way. Although I do know I have met people over the years um, who've just said, I got to the point where I wasn't honoring it anymore. I was no longer honoring what it is. I wasn't playing at the level that I thought it deserved. Right. And so I I walked away.
1: Well, you know, my colleague in the brass band, Malcolm McDuffie, mm-hmm. who played yes. 13 years assistant yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. He called me yesterday to talk about practicing and to talk about chops and chop development and embouchure and stamp studies and gordon matthew um method yeah we we talked for about 45 minutes um and about teaching and about how to how to approach students and and uh, about practice methods it was it was pretty interesting and he's what well in his 70s right yeah
2: i've had discussions with a couple of trumpet players over the years because what i want is i want more great trumpet players out there and fewer yahoos that are taking up space. So a couple <laughs> years ago, uh, uh, <laughs> as you guys know, Maurice Spizziale was my predecessor here at IU. Mm. So I did not know her before I came here and she reached out to me during the transition and we talked over the phone and we've gotten to know each other over the years and she is just charming and lovely and great in every single way. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. when she was, uh, it's when she was actually retiring from Rice which is where she left, and that's when Barbara and Charlie went down to Bryce, um, she was up here. She was visiting, and we were chatting, and I said, hey, why don't you come by? Let's do some playing. And she said, well, you know, with the closing up of the studio and doing these down, I'm, I'm not really playing anymore. And I said, I'm not okay with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she <laughs> laughed. She
2: <laughs> says, well, you know, and I said, next time, you know, I've seen her, and, and she has, she made that decision, and she's like, you know, it takes this work, and I'm not, well, I'm not willing to do that work, and I don't want to do that work now. And I've told her, Every time. This isn't okay with me. She goes, Well, I don't have my horn. I got plenty of horns. I got plenty of mouthpieces. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And I know that she should be allowed to make that decision, but considering how great Marie is. I don't want her to stop playing. So uh, I don't want her to be able to make her own decisions for how she wants to spend this time. I want want to be able to do that for her and that she should have to practice uh, and then keep playing because she's great, and I want her to continue to to do that. But so, yeah, there are people that do do make those choices. Uh, Ed Cord, who just retired here from IU, um, we talked just uh, maybe a month ago, and and I asked him, so what have you been playing? He goes, I'm not playing. And I said, No, I don't mean hmm. I know they're not jobs. He goes, Oh no, no. And he said exactly that. He says, This takes a lot of work. This yeah. takes a lot of work. Wow. And uh, boy, you know, and he just turned he turned seventy about the time he retired. And he's like, Hey, taking some time. We're just going out, we're having fun, we're doing other things. And he's completely at peace with this. And again, I told him, Yeah, and I'm 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 not really okay with that. Because Ed's fabulous, right? Right. So, um, I'm trying not to take this personally. When great players, I like reach that time and make that decision. <laughs> so, and just know, Brian, that should you ever try and make that decision, I'm not going to allow it. It <laughs> won't be approved. You know where I live. It will yes. never.
0: It will never be approved. Yes. <laughs> well, this is the. It reminds me of uh, Keith always saying to me, you know, when you're when you're making these decisions, that make sure that you're not moving away from something, but you're moving towards something else, right? So, I mean, this is a. This is a perfect place for that like if you have something else you want to do brian you know that's fine if you want to go take more pictures and you're definitely you going to
1: take more pictures
0: you know something else you love go camping joey's going to start riding his bike whatever it takes you know Camping's you're moving a toward <laughs> camping is very much a thing <laughs> not a thing <laughs> <laughs> camping totally a is thing.
2: we're going to bring this up later but camping is an evolutionary step backwards <laughs> camping is the reason we as human beings invented indoors <laughs> <laughs> camping not a thing
0: I love just lobbing these things up, knowing <laughs> yeah. that it's going to light his fuse. Not pushing okay. the buttons. Pushing just the buttons. Push the button and just step back. <laughs> no. Hey, let's go camping. No. <laughs>
2: there it is. Not a thing.
0: Well, that really should about do it for today. So, listen, thanks for joining us on the Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe or whatever works for you. We appreciate your patronage and so do our sponsors who still have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.